Hey everybody, you hear that? Sounds like tea time. Island talk, island talk. Right here on the kitchen island. Island talk, island talk. Right here on the kitchen island talk. Tea time talk. Right here on the kitchen island talk. Yeah, island talk. Keeping it real and never fake. Right here on the kitchen island talk. Dishing the tea with Lady V, B, J, Show T. We forever styling. Real talk about real issues. If you don't like it, then go get a tissue. Walking, talking like a diva should. Wouldn't choose another sisterhood to Island talk, island talk. Right here on the kitchen island talk, island talk. Right here on the kitchen island talk, island talk. Right here on the kitchen island talk, island. And we are back at the island, y'all. It is May, and I'm excited. This is Vanita. Your favorite Capricorn. Carol T's in the house. And this is BJ, your Virgo, always ready. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are always ready. So I hope everybody's doing well. Um, we are not going to waste a lot of time because we have a very special, important guest today. And we want to spend as much time and absorb as much information as we can with our special guest. And you know what? She knows Cheryl better than she knows me. So I'm going <laughs> to let Cheryl introduce her. All right. I would love to be able to introduce our next guest. As you all know, to our listeners, May is the month of mental health awareness. And that is such a near and dear topic to my heart that I've asked this wonderful lady to come on and have conversation with us about mental health. But first, before I give you her name, I want to introduce her. Our guest is the NAMI San Antonio Director of Education and Outreach and the Cohort Developer Coordinator for NAMI Bridges to Care San Antonio. In her roles and responsibilities, she oversees and, implement, and implements our uh, excuse me, community mental health education programs as well as connects family communities and organizations with mental health trainings that support them with creating mental health initiatives with their communities. As a social worker, she is a social worker, yes. She has served as an advocate in child protective service, homeless services at, at Haven for Hope of Bear County, as a trauma-informed educator and clinical therapist with individuals living in the terminal uh, health conditions. conditions. She has served as a consultant and service provider and organization with emphasis on understanding trauma and how it can impact one's daily life. She support organizations uh, with identifying manageable self-care practices to incorporate within the workday in efforts to improve and developing healthier workplace culture. This is a big one, you guys. Not only did she graduate from Stephen F. Austin University, she received her bachelor's degree in social work and received a graduate degree from Smith College School of Social Work. But the biggest thing is Donna resides here in San Antonio with a husband and she has 11 children. <laughs> 11. Yes. 11 children, three dogs, and a rabbit. I know I said a lot and it was a mouthful. I want to make sure that our listeners understood who we had on our podcast today. And I would like to welcome 
to the island, Donna Costa. Welcome. Thank Welcome, you. Donna. Thank you so much. <laughs> We're glad to have you. Thank you. It's an honor to be here with you ladies. Awesome. Awesome. And I know I mentioned on several different things that you do. The one that I really want you to dig down deep in is NAMI and Bridges to Care. Can you help us understand those two organizations and how they benefit their communities? Yes. So uh, NAMI. NAMI is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And, and while we have mental illness in the title, we're all about mental wellness. Uh, NAMI is uh, a small home uh, organization, but our impact is large because we're about equipping uh, the community with education and knowledge about mental health, mental health resources. Uh, we do uh, education classes and support groups. So say if you're someone who has a diagnosis and you want to know more about how to navigate this thing called life with a diagnosis. We have classes and we have support groups. We also have classes and support groups. If you are a family member who has a loved one or someone close to you who has a diagnosis, we have classes and support groups uh, to help you learn how to support them. How, how to not trigger your loved one, how to not be triggered yourself um, by them and, and actually form community uh, with people who know what, may know what you're going through. So NAMI does classes, support groups. Uh, we go out to schools and do uh, presentations to middle school and high school youth uh, because we're wanting to increase the awareness. Um, knowledge is power in this regard, because when you don't know that there are resources out there and that you can actually talk to someone and it's not a source of weakness, you're going to reach out. Mm -hmm. uh, and so also our Bridges to Care program is, is in, in our way was, hey, we need to bring this to uh, the community on the, the ground level where the communities who most often have been denied access um, you know, because of historical reasons, now are saying we want to heal. You know, we, we want to, to live life worth living. And so we go to faith communities primarily and, and train wellness champions. And a wellness champion is someone who has raised their hand and says, I, I want to be a support. I want to be a resource to someone who may be struggling with their mental health. And, and so we have this training program that uh, teaches you how to be much more aware uh, about mental health and mental health resourcing. Um, one of our trainings in particular, I get the most of feedback of what is our suicide prevention training. Yes. Um, you know, I, I tell folks, you know, it, it's a training that um, helps you navigate a conversation that is an already scary conversation to have someone come to you that you know that they tell you that they want to hurt themselves, kill themselves, that's scary. And I say, this training doesn't make it less scary. This training just equips you with information and gives you knowledge on how to get through that conversation and get them connected to someone to, who can actually be a support to them. Because what we're not, we're not trying to, you know, train clinicians, you know, because there's clinicians out there to get paid to do this work. We're trying to equip people with just information, because if I know that there's help out there and someone comes to me and they say they're struggling, I'm going to turn around and say, you know, I just found out about this resource. Can I can I can I share it with you? 
or can I, I'll go with you. It, it took a wellness champion for me years ago. And they didn't, I didn't know what a wellness champion was, you know, I'm not in my twenties, I went through my own kind of personal, um, heavy, low place. And if not for this person in my life, I wouldn't be standing in front of you. I wouldn't be here on the faces of this earth. So it takes community for healing to happen. And so, especially in the African-American community, because, you know, we didn't talk about mental health. No, everybody was like, was done in this house, stay in this house, was in your right? head, stay in your head out. You too, you too young to be talking grown folks, you know? That's All it. That. So I'm so glad that you are, are bringing those things to light because that's mm-hmm. the real issue. We want to make sure that there is awareness out there. Yeah. Um, I, first, before I ask you this next question, I just want to compliment on you for having 11 kids. You look marvelous. <laughs> Thank you. She's just glowing. She looks absolutely wonderful to have 11 children. Yeah, let me interject something right quick. I will admit to you, Donna, and I don't think I admitted this to Cheryl, but when she first approached me about being a wellness champion, I was like, okay, well, so what does that entail? What do you, and when she started explaining it to me inside, my stomach was churning. Because yeah. it's a big responsibility, it is. you know, when someone comes to you and you lead them and guide them in the right direction and you never want to not do that and not help someone. So I was completely nervous and scared. But now that I've gotten into it, I'm not going to say I'm still not scared because that's a good thing. That means you want to do right by a person. Yeah. But I, I do have the tools to be able to guide someone and lead someone. So, yeah. you know, I, I, you know, like you said, you didn't know what this wellness champ, I didn't either. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that because you know what, it, it just, it speaks to what it's like for most folks. Mm-hmm. When that, when mental health comes up, you know, it, it, you kind of tighten, you kind of tense up just a bit. You know why? It's because what we saw, we got conditioned for that. We got conditioned to kind of get nervous uh, because we didn't talk about it. Because, you know, it was kind of that low kind of conversation that you kind of heard the, you know, the older folks talking about. And, you know, the us kids will look at each other like, because mm, mm-hmm. we knew. Mm-hmm. But we're getting to this place to where I, this right here, what we're doing is called normalizing the conversation. The more we do it, the, the easier it becomes. It doesn't make mean that it's going to be less complicated, but it becomes easier for folks to say, Yes, I'm struggling. Yes, I'm not okay. And I'm scared to go and, and see a counselor because I don't know what that looks like. I, I don't, I've never gone through this before. You know what? Neither have I, but can I go with you? Is it okay if I go with you? You know, and through that, it becomes this community theme. It becomes this, this support that, hey, I, I see a counselor. Or, you know what? I've been in therapy before. I've went to a support group. And that is how people turn it around to the next person can say, okay, they look like me. And because they look like me, I feel much more comfortable to go. So I, I need folks to see themselves when they, when they go to a group, I want them to see, look inside their group and say, okay, okay, okay. I'm not the only one, you know, and feel much more comfort. So. 
I'm excited by all of this. It's something because a lot of times we as a people, we're very prideful type of people and it's very hard for us to be transparent. Um, So I'm being transparent on this this, uh, podcast today. Uh, The same day I took that suicide prevention class, I had a member of my family to attempt suicide and thank God it was not successful. But all the different things that led up to that suicide attempt, um, I heard about in in the class. Uh, But the person was, you know, was not physically around me. So I couldn't actually engage to figure out what to do because I didn't see the actual symptoms. They they don't live in the same location with me. So I didn't know it was actually transpiring. Uh, But at any rate, praise God that it, it was not successful. But the different things that the person did leading up to that, I found out after the fact, you know, they spoke to me and told me all the different things leading up to that. It aligned so well with the suicide prevention uh, class that I took. So I would say to anyone, um, if you are going through that, uh, it is a a number. Is it 1-800-HELP-TALK or TALK? Mm -hmm. Um, Please pick up the phone and call. Um, because there's somebody there that's on the other end of that. And and many times I have heard that when people do commit suicide and they uh, will attempt suicide and they come out of it uh, or they're in the hospital, they are so glad that the attempt did not work. Um, It's just a brief moment, but you need help in that brief moment. Absolutely. Because really, it's, it's just, I just want this pain that I'm feeling to stop, to end. That's really what it's about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I was going to ask you the question on why you thought Bridges to Care was so um, important to the communities, but I think you answered that. But if you have anything else you want to highlight on why it's so important to the communities that it, it services. Because the, the communities that we're, we're actually in are the communities that really have not uh, typically engaged in traditional mental health treatment. Um, And it's for a number of reasons, you know, lack of access could be financial, you know, Uh, it's not all of the the services that are out there are within uh, most folks tax bracket, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so either I'm going to put food on my table or go to therapy. I'm going to put food on my table. So, um, so typically people don't go. And also too, they don't, they don't necessarily know that it's for me because I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to share this with you. You know, I grew up thinking counseling actually was for white people. I didn't think it was for black people. Right. We we all thought that. (laughs) Right. Yes. Well, cause that was back in during slavery, you know, they didn't think, uh, Blacks had a brain, they had a mind that could um, understand complex thoughts. So therefore, they didn't worry about mental illness within the uh, Black community because they didn't have complex a complex mind. Well, we know that's not true. We know it's not true. And so here we are kind of like um, kind of playing catch up with taking care of our, our mental health. And so there are programs out there that are free free to the community to access. We just got to get, get the word out. We got to get that, that information to the communities that really need it. And I strongly believe that God is saying the time is now. 
now's the time uh, for this healing to happen in, in breaking uh, a lot of these generational kind of bondages that we need to stop like kind of like passing certain things down to the next generation. No, he's saying we got to stop, stop it now. And so I think Bridges has been the vehicle to bring to the communities that actually have been denied that access the most. So that's why Bridges, I feel like, is, is so important to the community. I just want to confirm your, your thoughts on God saying the time is now. Um, you know, my undergraduate degree is, is so in a different field. It's in computer science and mind and mathematics. But when God put on my heart to go back to school to learn and learn about professional counseling, I got a master's degree at Liberty University in professional counseling, which is all mostly right brain. And my computer science degree is mostly left brain. It was the toughest thing I ever had to do, especially at the age I was. But the the what I kept hearing is help them heal from the inside out, help them heal from the inside out, help them heal from the inside out. So I believe the time, like you said, is now. And God wants his people to understand who they are, you know, who they are in him and to help them not feel that that such that such pain that goes along with so much trauma they may have endured over their lifetimes. Yeah. Well, Donna and Cheryl, I've just been in awe of the conversation that you all have had so far about the importance of community. And so I was thinking I'm really excited and proud that Cheryl and uh, Diva Vanita are a part of our uh, counseling team at the church, or I think you all call them wellness champions. So I know that our church is listed as a supporter of the behavioral health congregation via Bridges to Care. Mm -hmm. And I know that we have this counseling team, uh, but what can other congregations do to become a part of that program and be a part of the community that helps? Yeah, all they need to do is just reach out, you know, and, and as soon as you reach out, I will come out to you uh, and talk to you about Bridges to Care and why it would be a benefit. And I like to let um, congregations know it, it's, it, it's, like, it's like starter dough. Uh, we give you the starter dough. And then you take that dough and make the recipe your own, you know, add ingredients, you know, and really uh, build it up to what you want it to be. So if, if you only have the, the capacity to do like a, a little a little kiosk, like when people come in, and you put flyers, uh, a newsletter uh, that has some mental health awareness that's doing your part, you know, you're creating that awareness, you're creating that, that vehicle to educate the community. Or if you, like some congregations have done, they started doing like a monthly uh, mental health day, you know, mental health evening, mental health Monday, or um, some, one in particular, one cohort in particular is doing trauma talks. So every Monday, there's a topic uh, brought by uh, a, a presenter, an expert in that area to talk about the impact of trauma, self-care practices, how to take care of yourself. Uh, so it doesn't even, it doesn't have to be here, but the sky is the limit. It's what you uh, within your faith community see the needs are. And it just, the conversation just starts with mental health because it doesn't stop there. You know, if, there, if you notice that within your congregation, homelessness is an issue or other things are an issue, uh, this is just, that's just the, 
the start, you know, uh, and then you could just do exactly what you feel like is most beneficial to your congregation and to your community. So reaching out is just a start. I come out and, and, and I say, use me in whatever capacity that you, you feel like is needed to kind of like get it going. Uh, because I think all it takes is for you to just start the conversation. People want to have the conversation. Yes. They don't want to start. You start the conversation. They're going to they're gonna go with it. Right, right. I know before the broadcast is over, we'll have a number that folks can call or churches can call so that uh, they could call you if they want to start a, a group of wellness champions or counselors. And so I'm excited about that because I know our group has started and they've announced it in the church. And so I'm going to be some sort of support system for them because I haven't had the training, but I know there's something I can do if it's nothing but pass out flyers. There so you I, go. I'm glad you said that because we're going to be doing something this Sunday. Oh, <laughs> I'm wow. there, grabbing you to help me hand out oh, some sure, flyers. Happy to. Well, but to, to your point, Donna, our congregation realized we needed grief assistance uh, because we had a lot of people to pass away during the COVID time. And our pastor was constantly, you know, conducting funeral services. Uh, and it wasn't necessarily uh, COVID related, but, you know, we had a lot of death to transition uh, in our church in the last two years. Yeah. So we did an actual grief counseling session every Wednesday night. We had grief uh, counseling and we had invited guest speakers to speak on behalf of grief and how to handle grief. And then, you know, if you, they wanted to go deeper and further into it as individuals, we had re uh, resources that they can reach out to, including myself. So you're right. You guys give us the starter dough and then we kind of mold it and shape it based on the community's needs. And yeah. uh, we thank you for that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, Donna, I have one more question. I also mentioned to you that I have a 14-year-old grandson living with us. And so I've been reading a little and it says that like one out of every three teens has some type of mental health problem since yeah. the pandemic started. And so as a grandmom, what tips would you give folks like me or parents to address mental health with their teenagers? And how would we recognize the signs that there's a need or what kind, how do we start that conversation? By first uh, being open and being that person to, to model for them that it's okay to talk about feelings. Um, because I, I think it's important that you, they first see it in front of them to, to know that it's okay to be vulnerable. Because you know how teenagers are, they, they walk around with this kind of, you know, I, I, I kind of got this, but really inside, they really don't have it. Uh, so just modeling vulnerability, you know, even just like uh, coming when you come home and just like I had a rough day. That actually is is good for them to know. They need to know that every day is not going to be like the great day for you. Because if all they see you is being and I'm, I'm going to speak to the, the, the strong black woman kind of image that we've kind of been kind of fed to believe that that's all we need to be is a strong black woman. We're actually doing a disservice to our young kids because what we're teaching them is that, oh, I just gotta, I can't show what I'm feeling because what I'm feeling on the inside is I just want to cry or all I want to do all day long is cry. But if I don't see that it's okay for me to cry, 
I'm not. I'm going to hold it in and I'm going to try to be tough. And it's going to manifest itself in other ways. Um, and so those other ways, sometimes it's those ways that gets them in trouble. And so we'll focus on those those behaviors uh, because we we need for those behaviors to stop, you know, cutting, you know, school, skipping school and, uh, you know, doing all other things that, you know, we wouldn't want them to do. Typically, those are their ways of just dealing. I'm just trying to deal with life and I, I'm trying to do it the best way I, I can because I can't just come out and say, I feel bad. I feel depressed. I don't want to go to school. And you think that I just don't want to go to school because I, I just hate school. No, I don't even feel like getting out the bed. We as adults, we know what that feeling feels like. And it's okay to share that. So that way our youth knows that, oh, okay, you, you don't have great days sometimes too. So how do you handle it? So if you come home, grandma, are you grandma? Miss Beverly? Yeah, I am. <laughs> so if, if you come home as grandma and you just kind of say, oh, I'm beat. I had a hard day today. And what did you do? What did you do to take care of yourself during the day? And let them hear what you did to take care of yourself during the day. Because guess what? Even though they may not be looking at you, they may be on this thing that's like glued to their hand. Oh, yes. They're paying attention. That cell phone is a constant. It's like it's yeah. glued to their body. Sometimes but they're paying attention. Listening to me. I'm like, are you listening to me? Well, listening more than what you think they're listening and paying attention. And, they, and you don't even know they're paying attention. So let them hear you say, you know what? I have to actually uh, take five. I almost cussed my boss out. And I had to like leave and go and do a walk. They need to hear that stuff. Because if not, they they just assume, okay, I just got to figure this out. And you know what? The brain is not fully developed. You don't want them to necessarily always just figure it out because that figuring out sometimes can lead to them getting in trouble. But if they hear, oh, grandma gets pissed off too during the day. Okay, this is what she does. Or, you know what? I have to go and talk to my friend. You know, I, I they know Miss Cheryl. I have to call Miss Cheryl up because uh, if not, I was about to let her have it. They'll tell and you, I let, right? let them know. I let them know so they can help me through the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but modeling for them. That's and then also letting them know, you know what? You have to let them know. It is okay. You you have to give them permission to know that it's, it's okay to, to not be okay. That is such a profound awesome. point that you made, especially for moms that are out there now, even grandmothers right now, because we as uh, African-American women, Black women, women of color, we are always told that we got to be strong. Um, for everybody. Else, yes. And we so don't want our kids to see us melt down because you're trying to be strong for them, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, you're teaching them this facade that life is just perfect because mama got it going on all the time, which is not true. Yeah. Um, so it's great that, you know, we can uh, be a little bit more transparent with our children and grandchildren and be free enough to open open our mouths and say, you know, I'm not doing very well today. No, I'm not happy right now. Something's going on in my world. That right there is just such a major point that we have not done in the uh, Black community. We have made it so that everything is perfect all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it literally breaks down in front of them. And they're like, whoa, what just happened? <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you know, it's so funny because I've been having these conversations with my mom. Because mm-hmm. all I saw, I this woman and her level of sacrifice was like beyond. And, and so there were times when I, as a grown-up, I thought, I'm such a failure. <laughs> Because my my mom was here to me because I I never saw her break or what I thought break meant. I always saw her just on. And, and so we talked about that. And she even shared with me how there were so many times that she wanted to just just be, but she felt like she couldn't. And she felt like she couldn't because she wouldn't shown how. She wasn't shown how to just just okay, just have her little moment and then get back up and keep going. She wasn't shown how to do it. And so what she just showed for us is just someone who got up at the crack of dawn and didn't go to sleep until, you know, everybody was in the bed and she was still up, you know, and didn't get what a few hours of sleep. That wasn't healthy. She's paying a price for it now. Mm-hmm. And so she tells me, no, you got to take time for you. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to learn how to take time for me but my example was someone who didn't take time for herself. So I'm trying to figure it out. And she's trying to figure it out too for herself now. And, and I know that um, another point that I wanted to make is that a lot of times we as people, we don't really talk about our medical history going through our family and genealogy. Because uh, mm-hmm. some of us only know back to grandma or great grandma, maybe, um, as far as uh, our medical history. Don't even talk about mental uh, history. Yeah. Because uh, mental, some mental illnesses are hereditary. Mm-hmm. And many times we don't even know that somebody in our bloodline had that mental illness until it shows up. And then doctors are asking you questions. Anybody in your family ever had this? And we're like, we don't know because we mm-hmm. didn't have that type of medical uh, diagnosis back in the day. Uh, so it's so important that we understand our historical medical history, whether it's physical or mental. I agree. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break, but we will be right back with Miss Donna. Hi, it's Vanita. Listen, we would love to hear from you with feedback and suggestions. Let us know if we have been a help in some way. We are just trying to make a difference one listener at a time. So we can be reached at Kitchen Island Tea on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. In the meantime, take care of yourself. And we are back at the island with Donna, who is giving us so much uh, information encouragement and inspiring us to do the right things. So my question to you, uh, Donna, is when you get a call or an email from someone saying that they are in crisis, do you ever question if they really are? I mean, are there like trigger words that you think, wait a minute, you're, you know, are there any such things or calls? No. Uh, And actually, I also do therapy. I, I still, I do have some clients and I tell my clients, um, I will always, always treat any kind of um, like outcry of harm to self very seriously okay. and, and take the necessary uh, precautions because that's how much I care about their life. 
So, so don't ever play about it because I'm always going to take it seriously. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. So my next question is, have you ever gotten a call or message from someone only seeking attention? Are you able to tell that? I mean, I'm, I'm, maybe you just answered the question. I'm not sure. Well, you know, I, I like to address that, that seeking attention because my thing is that in and of itself is a cry for help. True. You know what I'm saying? True. So you're, you're reaching out and, and, and Jess, to me, is letting me know that, that Jess may, it may be masking something. Okay. Right. And so seek attention, seeking behavior is, is being driven from something. It's coming from somewhere. True. And so my job is to get to what that somewhere is. Right. And so that's that's part of the work that I do is trying to get to to that. Um, and, and a lot of time it's like I'm, I'm here. I'm seeing you and I'm hearing that. But I know there's something else because you wouldn't have picked up that phone. For no reason. Mm -hmm. True. I just want to clarify that because being a wellness champion, you know, I, I don't want to take anybody's cry out for help lightly. Yeah. So yeah. they should always be treated the same as any cry out um, because we can't judge what's going right. on in life or what, what they're crying out about. You know, mm -hmm. you're right. I agree with you. That's excellent advice. You know, just make sure you're there to hear and listen. Uh, even if they're seeking attention, it's always some underlying situation that's causing them to want to uh, seek that attention. And sometimes people do negative things just to get attention. Um, so take that call and just, you know, listen to them and, and get down to the actual root cause yeah. of the attention seeking. So uh, my question for you, Donna, is where have you seen the most need for mental health resources? And communities of color, okay. um, the African-American community, the Hispanic community, um, totally uh, underrepresented under for those who are seeking um, support outside of, you know, they, they'll go to their pastor or they'll go to, you know, maybe their, their congregation members and, and say something. Um, but sometimes it just, it just stays there because they feel like that's enough. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll pray about it, you know, and just keep praying. But you know, when you, when you leave church and, and you prayed and prayed and prayed and you're still struggling, um, you know, when, when God talks about faith, he also says there's a level of, of action that needs to be uh, done. And, and I feel like um, that that other piece is 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 going towards um, getting that support um, that is needed. And, and prayer is absolutely um, part of the process. But the other process is, is just acknowledging that this is a brain thing. You know, and so what we need to do is make sure that you get to the people that God has put in place to, to get that training uh, so that they can be that support that that's what they've been trained to, to be. So uh, and also our youth. And, and so if I, if I say our youth and primarily our youth of color, because, again, we have not uh, engaged in traditional um, counseling. And, and not necessarily counseling, doesn't always have to be counseling, that support type of kind of system, even in schools, because nine times out of 10, 
your your behaviors that uh, typically gets seen, especially if you're a youth of color, you get in trouble. Yeah. And instead of, you know, people trying to figure out what what's going on is more like we're going to address the behavior and that behavior needs to stop. And we're not going to try to connect you with what's really what was that about? What was all that about? You know, I, I get it. You know, it was funny. It what what you did was funny, but what really was that about? Because you know, we got a job to do here at school. You have a job as a student. You have a job. So what was all that about? Because you just lost your whole day. You know, because we are just addressing the behavior and not what where that behavior is coming from. So we as a community. We're, we're now at a place of God says, okay, it's time. Mm-hmm. The time is now. So I'm going to equip you with this knowledge. And you take this knowledge, and now I want you to help my communities heal. And mm-hmm. so this is what's happening. You know, people are, oh, I, I get so excited. So I'm going to contain myself because I'll start jumping up down my second. <laughs> Don't contain yourself. You're at the <laughs> island. Let it loose, girl. Let it loose. So I, you know, just spoke to a pastor um, in on the east side, and she was talking about how um, they're have like revamped their youth program, and um, because of that, uh, they had a young man, nine years old. You know, they were doing their little um, youth program, and he was drawing a picture uh, of his friend. That's what he said, his friend, and his friend um, wanted. To kill himself so he's sad because he wanted to kill himself and so they um saw that and talked to him and, and called the grandma who he was with to let her know that um he drew a picture about his friend and we wanted to let you know because we want to make sure that his friend gets support support he needs well the grandma said well that that's him wow. he was talking about himself and from that they were able to get that family connected to counseling from that wonderful that is how healing happens yeah you know that's where it's going to happen it's not necessarily going to pick up the phone and call a clinic that you may have a wait for a couple of months no when someone needs it they don't want to wait yeah and sometimes we don't we actually don't we don't want them to wait because when they're ready we need to get them connected with someone right then. And so that's why it's important that we, we help communities identify what's your mental health arsenal? What's within this area? What's with right in here? So that way we can access readily and know how to get in as opposed to picking up the phone and kind of get the runaround before you finally get connected to somebody to be told, okay, we, we have an appointment and that appointment is like two to three months out. Guess what you just did to that person? I tried. See, I tried. I had that same situation and here I am. I'm a wellness champion at our, our, our congregation and I'm a a counselor where a young lady, uh, her daughter, uh, the father had committed suicide. And so Mm. the little girl is like six or seven years old and the mother's trying to get her into trauma type of counseling. You know, I I did what I could, but I knew that she needed to go to an actual um, child psychologist, therapist. I mean, for trauma, immediate trauma, because the father just committed suicide. 
um, and to find a location for that that young baby, it was so hard. And yeah. I just said, it's got to be more resources that are available to children that are suffering trauma that need it like immediately. Because, yeah. you know, when I the centers, the names and uh, that I had given to the person to call, uh, they, like you said, scheduled out two and three months. And it's like, no, she needs it now, you know. And it it becomes them. discouraging. Yes, very discouraging. And I think, you know, with the rise of mental health illnesses, especially uh, after the pandemic, um, the resources are very slim, especially yeah. like you said, in the brown uh, and black communities. So, I, you know, I just implore anybody that is um, can help in those communities to, you know, provide your information uh, to NAMI, to Bridges to Care, so that your contact information is where it's readily available yeah. that we can get to you. Um, because that's what we struggle with, is finding the resources at the right time. But let me tell you that I know this is going to come out. Look at me. I'm leaning forward like I'm about to tell y'all a secret. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you what I know is going to come out of this. You know, the communities that, that have been denied the most are going to start creating the resources themselves, mm -hmm. right? I, 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 I know that's going to happen. So it's just, all right, let us kind of get used to this language because this is kind of new for us to be having these conversations. And then from that, then I'm going to tell you, communities are going to start building the resources themselves and, and, and recruiting um, those who look like them mm -hmm. to be service providers. So I, it's coming. I know it's coming. So Zenona Black Center is coming. <laughs> Definitely, it is coming. It's in the yeah. making right now. So you know what, I want to say that I'm just in awe at your passion and your dedication to this cause. And I, I guess I want to go back to your childhood and want to know what did you want to be when you grew up? Because what you are is amazing. <laughs> you know, little you. girls and little boys have dreams. You know, like, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a firefighter. I want to be. But what did you want to be? Did you say, I want to be a wellness, I want to do bridges? <laughs> I don't, you know, I can't, I still to this day cannot put a label to what my, my imagination took me. My imagination took me to, I saw myself in this tropical place and I was helping thousands and thousands of people. And we were all just happy, you know, eating fruit and just, but I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what that was. I grew up, my, my grandmother used to tell me that, um, be careful how you touch on folks because you're a healer. She used to tell me that. And I, I didn't understand what that meant. I didn't understand what, what she was trying to tell me. Um, but now I, I'm sitting in the place of like, I think I think I get what she, what she meant because I, from gay high, had a heart for people people's pain. I felt people's pain, you know, and, and I couldn't sometimes look at folks because I, I, I felt their pain. Yes. Right. Right. <laughs> and so all I know is God has kept me on this earth for a reason. And so while I'm here, if I could help connect people with some level of living a free life, free from 
what the enemy has tried to convince us about ourselves, free from what society has tried to convince us about ourselves, even if it's just one person. That's 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 it. That's it. That's awesome. Well, I consider you a blessing to this community and to this city. And I'm thanking God for you right now. Thank um, you. Thank you. Awesome. Don't ever be discouraged. Um, keep doing what you're doing. So can you let our listeners know how they can seek help? What numbers, what emails? Yes. Yes. So uh, NAMI San Antonio, um, they can uh, reach Bridges to Care, uh, 210-242-1227 is my number. Our website is nami-sat.org. And from there, you can access all of our, our services, uh, Bridges to Care program. Uh, we also have a warm line. And I would tell you that, but for some reason, my brain said you're not going to remember it right now. But you can access that warm line number on our website as well. That's awesome. That is. I'd like to add... Just okay. so our listeners will know that NAMI is N-A-M as in Mary, I, just so they get it. We say, I want to be sure the listeners have it. So N-A-M-I, correct? Yes. Thank you. Alliance on Mental Illness. And this is a national organization because I know we have listeners that are all around the country and all around the the world. Um, So please look up NAMI and it'll show you the local organization for your NAMI uh, chapter. Um, So please do uh, reach out to NAMI if you have any questions or concerns when it comes to mental health. Yes. You know, I have so enjoyed having you as a guest today. It has been enlightening, encouraging. I just hope that our listeners, even if it's just one, like you were saying earlier, is helped by this episode. That's our goal is to have real talk about real issues in our real world. And even if we just reach one person, one person at a time, Yeah. what the goal is for our podcast. Yeah. Well, I thank you ladies for what you're doing, because this truly is a blessing to the community. Uh, Having conversations about topics that we don't tend to talk about, that's part of, that's part of transforming the community. That's it. Thank you. Say you'd be back on our broadcast again? Yeah, we might have you as a co-host. Again, okay. So be on standby for her. You know, we got a commitment from Donna. So (laughs) I want to give out one more number uh, based on suicide prevention uh, for anybody that has any issues with suicide and they need someone to talk to immediately. Call 1 800 273 TALK. That's 1 800 273 8255. Five, five. And there's someone on the other end of that line 24-7 because it's a moment in time when you feel that pain and you just want it to stop and you need somebody to talk to. And it's usually like two and three o'clock in the morning when you can't call anybody else. Call 1-800-273-TALK. Awesome. Thank you for that, Cheryl. And yeah. if there's nothing else, I've had a grand time. Um, I would like to personally thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to hang out with us at the island with pertinent information. Thank you for inviting me. If there's nothing else, I'm going to say adios. (laughs) 
<laughs> Ciao, Bella. Keep listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.